0: This is the Gordon Damer Show.
1: Well, look way
2: down the river. What do you think I see? This is my final Saturday show in this time slot. You'll be missed. Will I? Yeah. You sure about
1: The masses are speaking.
2: The masses a, are speaking, aren't they? It's
1: been a while, 20 weeks.
2: Mm-hmm. It has been about 20 weeks. Now, are you going to be sad to see me go, or are you thinking, oh, God. Always. All the hits. All the I hits.
1: Thought I was placating you. I thought you liked Johnny Cash.
2: Well, I, in, in the right context? Who cares about context? It's
1: your final show. This is the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, what's going on, Gordon? It's good. The unfortunate, as you go. On
2: 98.7 ESPN. Really going out with a bang here, aren't we? When Playing bluegrass sound. music, making bets on the air, talking about Clark Gable. I used the word skosh twice. Hey, it is the Gordon Damer Show. Can we, I, I look, it, yes, it is my final show in this time slot. I will just simply be on at 3 o'clock as opposed to 9 a.m. But it's not a death. Can we stop with the death motif, please? Joe, do you have any any control over him?
1: Harvey, no. Zero. No.
2: How about Howard? Do you have any control
1: over Howard? Howard, Howard might be tied up in the corner right now. All right. There's a better chance of Howard coming back here than probably Harvey at this point.
2: Yeah. Uh, if I
1: told you, hey, you're gonna have one producer for mm-hmm. this new time, so are you picking Harvey or Howard? Who are you picking? Uh,
2: Howard every er, every single day of the week and twice on Sunday, and the show isn't even on Sunday, so that just tells you how much I wanted. So uh, can we can we go with a little bit more traditional, please, please, for my sake? If you, if you if you care about me in any way. Which this will really put it on you to see what happens at the next break. But well,
1: it only took you one hour, huh? Wow.
2: Yep. I'm I'm begging. Uh, I don't beg often, but I'm begging, please. All right? All right. 1 All 919. ESPN is the telephone number, talking a little Nicks. I just, it just doesn't it feel like like can't you see that people are starting to get a little too carried away? And again, as I said, it's a weird time to be a Nick fan competence on the court winning games competence in the free agent in the front office pray, universal praise in the media that's how you know we're living in the simulation like what you ever have like a dream that you're having and then something happens in the dream and you're like oh wait a second this, is a, this isn't real if if you were having a dream and in that dream all the media people and talking heads were praising the knicks moves you would say to yourself, "Wait a second. This is obviously not reality, but it is reality. We're 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 living it and it's great. And and I'm not trying to take away the um the excitement uh, of what is going to happen hopefully this year of of more progress and getting deeper. And then the future as well. The the present is bright and the future is even brighter because of the, the the fact that they held on to all their number one picks and they still have a chance to to add that superstar after this year however this year winds up but I think that there's a major difference between could the Knicks do this yes am I hoping the Knicks do it yes and they will do they will get to the eastern Conference. they can beat and and, and it, it just gets back to well we can beat anybody we can beat the the Celtics uh the, they're not that good and and the Sixers don't don't have Embiid. And the Bucks are vulnerable because Doc Rivers is terrible with a 3-1 lead. And, and I'm not telling you any of those things are necessarily wrong. I'm just saying brace yourself. Because could it all fire this year and they get for but not just the Knicks. Any team. Progress is not usually like a linear line straight up. It's oh this year we'd make this progress and then the next year and the next year. And it just keeps getting better each step of the way. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. And that could very well happen this year. And I think you have to be at least somewhat focused on the fact of these injuries and, and just when are you getting these guys back? Because these are not like rope pieces. These are, these are, these are main pieces of the, the starting lineup. All right, let's go back to the phones. one 800 espn is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Lee Is in Manhattan. Lee, what's going on, man?
3: GD, how are you, sir?
2: I'm good, Lee. How are you feeling, my man?
3: I'm good. Listen, before I make my next point, let me just say to a few of the Knicks callers out there or the people that call into the show, let me just remind them of the fact that uh, for those who don't know, and I was one of the first ones who uh, was on your show when you first came on with the ESPN family, whose shoes you filled? Mr. Bill Dartrey, who was on at what time on Saturday morning? Uh,
2: He was on at seven o'clock in the morning, sometime around there. Yep. Yeah,
3: when you first came on with Mm -hmm. the
2: family. Yeah.
3: Okay, so y'all y'all cut Gordon, y'all cut Gordon a little bit of slack. He just going, he just moving around the station. He not leaving the station.
2: Right. Not well, not so far as I know. That (laughs) that won't be up to me necessarily. But no, I'm just moving down to my my. I'm just moving back to where I normally do the show. exactly. (laughs) But as far as
3: what you said about the Knicks and Leon Rose, our deadline trade that we recently made was not so much a trade of, you know, praising so much Leon Rose. It was a trade that was really made out of necessity, or at least the players that we got. Because a couple of weeks ago, you, I was on with you and Larry, and we were talking about point guards. Mm-hmm. Bert was one of the ones that I mentioned, if you recall. Yep. Okay, we got him. Okay, we got him back because, one, he's needed. Two, okay, he knows Tibbs' system. We got a veteran in Bogey who, you know, came up with the Nets. So we don't, we don't we don't lose too much, you know, in the – in the forward spot, but we got who we need in order to stay relevant right now with all of the injuries that we have, particularly in the front court.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I, and, and, and Lee, thanks for the phone call. I, I think that when we were looking at the trade deadline before the Randall injury and certainly before the, the OG injury, uh, it felt like, okay, whatever package we can put together, the the main necessity at that point was somebody to kind of run that second unit. And I think what happened was the package of, 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 of assets that the Knicks were willing to trade, keeping the number ones and not including them, Grimes and the Fournier contract, that went into getting two guys back as opposed to just putting it all into one. You know, if Randall had been healthy and OG had been healthy – I think that we could have continued... We, the expectations were uh, Brogdon or Clarkson or somewhere along those lines. I think that probably would have been more of the target. But since you need healthy bodies at this point, and it's not just about talent for, for Tibbs, I think it's also about the trust factor, and, and clearly Burks has that. I think that's why they, they went the route that they did. And and look, they're, they're two guys who help now and could also just think back to last year, the, the lack of shooting that the Knicks had. Now they have... Now they have some guys who can shoot. Dwayne is in Virginia. Dwayne, what's going on?
4: Hey, man. How you doing, GD?
2: I'm good, Dwayne. What's up?
4: All right. So, anyway, I got three quick things to touch on. All right. First of all, the Super Bowl is pretty much a wash. It's like whichever team plays better defense or whichever team has turnovers. So, it's that symbol. That's all I have for the Super Bowl. All right. As far as basketball goes... There's 154 college games today and 11 NBA games. That's 165 games in total that if people mm-hmm. want to do sports betting on, they could, right? Yes, they could, yep. No, Now now my betting thing, here's my sports betting. You got to bet on yourself, my man, because last summer you had a nest in the size of a, size of a basketball on a bush. Well, yeah, the wasp the situation. situation, yep, uh-huh. Yeah, and and I, I want you to take a preemptive strike on this, man. So don't bet unless you're betting on yourself because okay. we need your voice. And, right. and hey, the 3 o'clock hour it works better for me. My hours have switched. I work from 10 p.m. till 7 a.m. Okay. So I wake up around 2.45. Bang. And you're my show now. I used to go. love the K show. I love the K show. Don't get me wrong. I love Donnie Pucks and all those guys, mm-hmm. but. Hey, this is better. And I wanted to know if you're going to continue with things we learned this week on TikTok. Oh, no. Have no fear,
2: Dwayne. Yes, absolutely. And uh, thanks for Enjoyable
4: segment for me. Thank you,
2: my friend. I appreciate it. You're the one that likes it. All right, good. Um, uh, It's always, uh, yeah, no, we do that every Saturday. And we'll continue to do that on Saturdays. Uh, It'll be a different cast of character. We will no longer, maybe that's the biggest loss, is we will no longer have Howard Cruz or Harvey Cruz, as I call him. He will not be. Uh, he will not be a, a factor in in what I learned on TikTok when we move back to three o'clock. Are you Are you sad to see that go, Harvey? Because you were really the star of that segment.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I mean, look, I, I thought I did my best and shined throughout, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes everybody has their time. So,
2: mm-hmm. you you did you have your time yet?
1: No, we did haven't have had it time. yet.
2: You have not had it
1: yet. No. So but rest is- assured, I, I will not. I will not. Uh, I will not let you down.
2: Okay. Well, look, I will say this cuz we're going to do it a little bit later on. Probably do it 11:30. I think that this week the the facts and non-facts that we've compiled, I think both Harvey and Joe will do very very well this week. Now, that's not to put pressure on them. Sure. But this is the last chance to do well. And if there's anybody who's due, Harvey's Harvey's due. You would admit you're you're kind of due, right?
1: Overdue at this point.
2: I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to be negative right. on the final show. But I would, I would agree. I would. This is the Gordon Damer Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. I don't know whether to keep addressing this because people keep calling and they have the wrong. If, and I don't know if it's really. I think it's really just on them not listening. This is my final show in this time slot, the Saturday 9 a.m. to noon time slot. This is Dan Gross's time slot. But during the football season, because Dan has responsibilities with the Jets pre- and post-game, Dan doesn't do the Saturday show. So I slid into this time slot for the uh, 20 weeks, whatever it was. And this is the final one for me in this time slot. I am not moving to 3 o'clock Monday through Friday. I'm moving to 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon in a couple of weeks. Have I not made this clear? Is, is it me Is it or is it them?
1: The over-under now is 1.5 times you have to repeat it on the show until the end of the show. <laughs> right, People right now, are we're...
2: calling. Oh, he's joining the K. No, I am not. Trust me, I am not joining the K show. I'm just simply going back to the normal time slot. Good promotion. I, I usually a <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty. It feels like uh, that's a pretty big promotion. That would be one worthy of a of a of a news release or something. No, I'm not going a- anywhere but back to where I was. And who knows? Maybe even further down. You never know. You never know. But I, I think that we have made it clear now. I am not. A leaving the station at least not by my own accord, or B, moving to Monday through Friday at three o'clock. If you if you tune into the K show list, waiting for me. Well, there are commercial breaks. I'll, I'll be heard during the commercial breaks. Uh, but no, that that's just trying to put things as crystal. Is this clear now? Do you think Harvey? Is it clear to you, Harvey? Let's put it that way. It's Let's clear. Work. It's clear to me. It's clear to you. I mean, you ask I'm, it. Ask Howard when he. Uh, he pops up. You
1: know, I haven't heard from Howard yet since right. he's been is called Joe, over. Is but...
2: Joe? Is it clear, Joe? Is it clear to you that what I'm, what's going on now?
1: Crystal. And if anybody else calls up, we can just refer back to this segment on the podcast.
2: I would like to think so. I would like to think so. All right. Speaking of of being clear, how's that for a segue?
1: We're professional. Woody
2: like... Johnson, the New York Jets owner, Woody Johnson, spoke the other day. I guess it was before the NFL honors awards or whatever it was. And, and look, when the owner speaks, people listen. And, and people were kind of, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but the fact that he didn't use the word ultimatum, he didn't say playoffs or bust, but he, he made it clear that, that the team has to produce this upcoming season. Among the other takeaways was that uh, Robert Sala is now going to be more involved in the offense. And the uh, Woody Johnson also kind of ripped Zach Wilson without mentioning Zach Wilson's name by saying we need to have a, a backup quarterback. And we we didn't have a backup quarterback uh, this past year. It, it's really kind of I don't I, it feels like everything nowadays is just based on results. And if the results are good, everybody will just agree with whatever you say. I don't we'll have no problem with it and we'll defend it, even if it's wrong. But it's all based on results. And the fact that the Jets, now the the longest postseason drought of any team in North American sports, it wouldn't matter for a good portion of the fan base whatever Woody Johnson said because they just have not had the results. But anytime that Woody speaks or Woody's name kind of comes up, there's always this narrative of, well, we don't blame him enough or he deserves more blame. We had a call the other night. Why doesn't Woody Johnson get more blame? And and that assumes that or gives the impression that we don't blame him. Trust me. When it comes to the New York Jets, anyone involved in the organization here over the last 13 years has gotten the blame. There's plenty of blame to go around when you've not made the playoffs and you're coming off the year that the Jets had this past year. But when it comes to owners, for me anyway... The owner is never going to be the, the main person we blame, even though he is the owner, because he's not as directly to blame for the issues as the people we generally blame more, the coach and the GM. And for me, for, with the Jets, especially this past year and this current run, I think the GM deserves more, coach, uh, more blame than the coach, even though the coach is the face of the organization that you see every single day, basically. And that's another thing for the owner. We don't see him that often. I don't think, to me, Woody Johnson, to me, is not a terrible owner. He's not a football guy. And to me, he just simply has not hired the right football people. And here's the thing. Woody Johnson's not a football guy. But I don't think that he pretends to be a football guy. And what I mean by that is he doesn't think that he, he has the knowledge to be able to decide what's right and what's wrong. He hires people from all accounts, puts them in charge, and allows them to, to make the decisions. When it comes to spending money, the guy spends money. He, d- he did what was necessary at the time to, to go out and, and get Aaron Rodgers. Again, has not worked out. Might not work out. But it wasn't like he was being cheap or wasn't trying to spend the money and, and put his money where his mouth is. He knows he's not a football guy. He's not, uh, he's not Jerry Jones. He's not that guy down in Carolina who thinks that he knows better than everybody else. And, and the moves that he is responded, like the hiring of Joe Douglas and the hiring of Robert Sala, they were highly praised moves when they were made. Now, again, it's not worked out. And they have to fire next year or otherwise they w- the team has to fire next year or otherwise they will be fired. Uh, but I, all I know is in my entire time watching sports, covering sports, working in, in, in media, quote, unquote, there are two owners in this town who by far have gotten more attention, more criticism than anyone else. And they are easily, number one, by far, by a hundred million miles is George Steinbrenner George the idea now and I guess maybe not enough people lived through the time it seems like George Steinbrenner is the role model for all sports owners in this town I can tell you for a fact there were plenty of times where George Steinbrenner was not the the it was not all sunshine and rainbows it was a disaster with George Steinbrenner because he was way too involved and he ran the team like an unhinged lunatic like he wanted to win every single day he wanted to win he wanted to win spring training games against the mets and was ticked when they didn't like he was out of his mind and he was actively to blame for running the yankees into the ground with the moves that he was making Every single year, firing managers, firing pitching coaches, firing hitting coaches, firing GMs, firing this guy, trading that guy. It was a mess. And the day that he got suspended was a day Yankee fans celebrated. Celebrated. Oh, thank God, finally George is out of there, and they can run the th- And let's be honest, we talk about tanking a lot. The Yankee dynasty of the 90s, of the late 90s, was set up by the Yankees tanking while George was not there. They they weren't trying, they weren't putting money into the the on the the field product at the time, and they were holding, they weren't trading away their prospects like they continually did with George Steinbrenner, and they weren't actively trying to win in those years where he was I think he was gone for 2 years or 2 plus years. They weren't trying to actively win. So that that 90s dynasty for all the criticism we have about tanking, the Yankees, when Steinbrenner was, was suspended, they kind of tanked. And how'd that work out? I don't know. It worked out pretty well. So George Steinbrenner is the first guy, in terms of criticism, that we all talk about. But how is it now remembered? It's now remembered now as, as George Steinbrenner is the role model of owners because at the end of the run, they won. And the reason they won was because those couple of years, he was gone. And then when he came back, they had, they had a, a talent base around and they, they had smart people running the organization and, and George allowed them to, to, to make the moves necessary and it worked out great. But there was plenty of time, plenty of time, where the Yankees were the laughingstock in this town and it was almost single-handedly based on the way that George Steinbrenner ran the team. The other guy, who's a distant second but would clearly be second on that list, would be James Dolan. All we ever heard for 20 years was the reason the Knicks were terrible. James Dolan's a terrible owner, terrible owner, terrible owner. And now what we see is he, he, he was a guy, I think, much like Woody, is not a, a basketball savant. He, he doesn't know the ins and outs to the degree of someone running the organization. He's a businessman. And unfortunately, for a good stretch of time, he made moves that he thought would work. He he put people in, in charge that he thought would be able to, to run things properly. And he just didn't hire the right people. And now that he's hired Leon Rose, who clearly is the right person, all of a sudden, when we talk about the Knicks, we talk about a thousand different things now, don't we? But we don't talk about the owner nearly as much. All of a sudden, you're telling me now that the, the reason why the Knicks were terrible, oh, James Dolan just interfered too much. He was too hands on. But now all of a sudden the team's good. He's, he's decided just to step back. He's not involved anymore. No, I think it was just a case of he hired the wrong people, and now that he's hired the right people, all this, it seems like he's, he's not an issue anymore. Wow, what a, what a surprise. You hired the right people who have made smart moves, and all of a sudden the owner is not the issue. And I think it, to bring it back to Woody Johnson, I think it's the same thing. He has simply not hired the right people and whether or not the people they have in charge right now it doesn't seem like he has the right people. But I don't think that Woody is a terrible owner. And by terrible owner, there are, there are owners in sports who you just cannot win with. You will never be able to win with. I have one down in Miami. That guy is a stone-cold bobo. They will never win anything of any significance as long as Stephen Ross is the owner. The only silver lining is he's 83. He's not going to own the team forever. Woody Johnson... As the owner, the Jets have had success with Woody Johnson as the owner. They have they went to two they went to back to back AFC Championship games. Again, that's not the the, the be all end alls just to get to the championship game, and it is a significant period of time now that they, they have not been to the they have not sniffed the AFC Championship game. I get that, and and the blame ultimately goes to the owner, but I don't think that it's because he's uh, completely incompetent or. He is too meddlesome to allow successful people to to run the organization the right way. I just don't think that he's hired the right people. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Because this is my final Saturday show in this time slot, I have uh, talked to the powers that be, and we've uh, moved some things around. I will be on until 1230 today. Not off the air at noon, like usual. We get an extra half hour today as we will take you up. We moved the Islander game, essentially. We pushed it back a half hour. That's that's what it had to have been. It couldn't have been that I improperly read the schedule. It's not that. It's that, not that I misread it. We moved the game. So, 1230 today, extra half hour. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We're talking a little football and talking a little jets talking a little woody Johnson after his comments the other day and um, just to kind of recap the the feelings that I have about those comments Woody Johnson to me is not a terrible owner as as jet fans will will say he is and and, and and go on about because uh, the team is not one. Uh, to me, it's just simply that Woody Johnson is not a football guy, but it's good. It's good that he doesn't think he's a football guy. There's plenty of guys who are owners in the NFL who are not football guys or don't have the knowledge that they they probably should have as an owner, but they think they're football guys because they've been so successful in other areas of their life. How could you not, right? You're You're a real-world genius if you own a football team. Billions of dollars, and everything's worked out pretty well for you. Woody, I don't think Woody is one of those. I don't think he's a meddlesome owner. I think just he has uh, not hired the right people. The one thing I will say that I hear all the time when people bring up Woody Johnson and and I think is is fair, oh, man, he just desperately wants to win. He's, oh, he wants to win so He really cares, and I'm sure he does care to a certain degree. If the choice is between winning and losing, yeah, everybody wants to win. But do you do all the things necessary to, like, leaving to take a, a, a job in the government and leaving your brother in charge? I, the idea that he's desperately, he wants to win. The only people who ever tell me that are people who have direct financial ties to the organization. It's always people who work for the Jets. And you have, to be, you have to be aware of that. Like, the, like uh, during Super Bowl week, the, the, you know, all the different shows interview all these different people, and there were headlines about Dan Marino says that Tua is the guy to lead the Dolphins. Dan Marino works for the Dolphins. Of course he's going to say that Tua is the right guy. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's go to the phones. one 800 espn is the telephone number. Andy is in Bedford. Andy, what's going on, my man?
5: the show really appreciate everything you do and love being a new yorker and living and breathing new york jets football but i have to take great umbrage with what you said both just now and earlier before the break woody is an awful owner woody does not understand what it takes to win woody to come out and say sala is going to take a more active role in the, in the offense. I've been a fan of this team since the 60s. I'm 69, almost 70. And, uh, you know, like Jerry Jones, my time is running out. I, I can't take listening. I can't even – the letter, latter half of this season, every time I heard Salah speak, I had to turn off the sound. TV, radio – the man has zero clue. The man is absolutely has no discipline on that team. The man has no idea. And even under uh, when he had Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator, Mike wasn't bad, but Salah never told him what to do with Zach and how to handle Zach. I don't want to talk about Zach. He was never my pick, and uh, I think he was a huge mistake. But back to Woody. Uh, And Salah, Salah has no clue. And if you're going to be a head coach, you're not just running the defense. But Woody, time after time, hires rookies, I believe, so he can manipulate them and meddle with what goes on with the team. And I just think it's a huge mistake. And Gase was a bigger embarrassment. And the only good news was Woody tried to go with an offensive guy, but it's about time we bring in established, quality head coaches. I'm sorry to talk so long. Very no, it's okay. Andy, hear you're hear doing a great job. Behind.
2: Yeah, no, look, and here's the thing. Thanks for the phone call. Well, Woody is not responsible for Gase. He was away, and that was Chris Johnson who hired Gase. I'm sure he had some input, um, and I'm sure it got his approval when he had a free moment to, to talk about the team. But it wasn't, like, number one on his list of priorities at that point. So I don't think that you can 100% blame him for the, uh, the Adam Gay situation. Um, and again, I'm not saying that Woody doesn't deserve some blame because he is hiring the wrong people. And I do think that he should be um, looking. I think that the problem that the Jets have, it's a problem that a lot of bad organizations have, is that they look at what's the ceiling for whatever hire, right? Like what's the ce- this guy in a few years, he's going to be one of the best coaches and they don't look at what have they done. They don't, they, th- does this guy have any experience in the job that I am hiring him for like Robert Sala looked like it doesn't seem that way now, but when he was hired, it was nothing but universal praise, nothing but universal praise. This guy's going to be a good head coach. This guy's got the right temperament. His players love playing for him. He's the right, he's like a modern football coach that he, he can get through to the players and connect with them on a level that not like the old style football coach. So that move was was universally praised. And the hiring of Joe Douglas, go back and look. That was a coup that the Jets were able to hire Joe Douglas. And And how did Woody get him? He hired him by giving him a six-year contract, giving him real stability. Now has the Robert uh, has the Joe Douglas move worked? No. But is that because of Woody Johnson or is that because of Joe Douglas? You telling me that that the reason why Joe Douglas has not been successful building an offensive line is because Woody Johnson's been in his ear and say no no Let's let's stick with uh, a 38 year old at left tackle and, and Makai Becton. Uh, you're telling me that that's the case. You're telling me that that's the reason why they haven't been able to rebuild an offensive line, or or they, they picked the wrong quarterback because Woody Johnson said, no, no, I want I want uh, I want Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was if Zach Wilson didn't go two that year, he would have went three. Woody Johnson deserves blame as the owner for hiring the wrong people, but the people, the wrong people. They deserve more of the blame for where the Jets are at than the owner, in my eyes. I think that's pretty clear. Lonnie is in Harlem. Lonnie, what's going on, my man?
6: Good morning, Unc. Um, Shout out to the company, Joe, Augie. I'm not really here to talk about the Jets or anything like that, but, you know, I kind of now want to speak about that. But, uh, you know, just... You know, hearing jet fans and all of that. You know, me being the uh, you know creator of the company and knowing so many jet fans now, it's just I feel a pain and just reading their comments and hearing these calls now it's, it's a lot to take in. And what he's to me, he you know he's 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 a lot of the problem. He is the person who hires the coaches and the GMs. And for you to just sit here and say that Chris was the one who hired Adam Gase just let us all know that neither one of them know how to hire coaches or GMs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, but that that was the worst hire. That was the hire that... Like, when they hired Salah, everybody thought that that was going to work. When they hired Gase, nobody thought that was going to work. That was panned from the get-go. I'm sure
6: you was probably... It was when they hired Adam Gates because he was literally coming from a hiring, a, a coaching yeah,
2: I didn't think that Gase would be as bad as he turned out to be. I didn't think he was good. It wouldn't have been my choice, but I didn't think that he was going to be the disaster that he turned out to be. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of the, the 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 issues was that the GM back then as well, uh, McCagnan was terrible too. So it was a dynamic I'm duo, gonna... so to speak.
6: After after the uh, opening press conference with the bug eyes, I know you got uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was that uh, was a long situation. Nobody has but ever lost the I press
2: really, conference worse.
6: That was. Oof. Let me get into. What I really called about is about the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I know I called you about a couple of weeks ago, saying you know I know certain teams had to really get it done. Technically, only one of those teams is left as being the 49ers Um, me personally. Actually, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be rooting for. Um, obviously, um, as you know, R.J. Santo is a huge fan of the Forty ers I consider everybody yes,
2: be family. Mm-hmm.
6: That is my cousin R.J. And for that reason, and that reason alone, I'm going to be rooting for the 49ers. And I just want to see them win. Uh, you know, not to say that I'm a you know cheese hater or the Swifty thing is bothering me or anything like that. I just think it's their time. I think you know Shanahan needs to get it done. I think it would be a great thing for Brock Purdy, him being elastic in the draft to coming from that to actually leading the team to winning a super bowl would be, you know, something to build his legacy, to start his legacy. And, um, you know, not to say that Mahomes' in and the Chiefs' legacy isn't set already. Cause I honestly feel like it is, but you know, it's just time for, uh, some new blood to get some shine. And, uh, I just want to thank you for taking my All right,
2: Lonnie. Time. Uh, thanks for the call. Day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, look, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the Niners are able to pull it off. I'm, I'd like to have something a little different. If RJ, uh, I love RJ, and if he can get some joy out of that with his team winning for a change, good for him. I'm good that it lines up with uh, the fact that I'm I'm sick of the Chiefs and sick of all the different storylines. And fans can bet on Taylor Swift's lipstick. Who? Here, here's the thing, and I, I get it. I'm I'm old, and I don't get it. And um, who are these people? who are invested in whether or not Taylor Swift can make it to the game on time. Do you, do you really care? It's clearly not people who care about the Super Bowl itself, right? It's a, it's a, different, it's a dim, different demographic. It's a different uh, uh, audience. I get it. Are you watching the Super Bowl? You're sitting through the Super Bowl to see if Taylor it's It's, it's bizarre to me. It makes no sense to me at all. Let me know later. If she made it, great. If she didn't, I don't care. And and for anybody who would be invested in that, very odd. Very odd. 1-800-919-ESPN is a telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Jeff is in Florida. Jeff, what's going on, man? Gordon, happy Saturday. Happy
0: Super Bowl weekend. How are you?
2: I'm good, Jeff. What's going on, man?
0: Uh, you know, you have a great show. I typically agree with your views. i got to vehemently disagree with you about the Dolans and the Johnsons of of, of the world. Okay. These are uh, not—let me just start with this, and then I'll get to the football side, if I may. Uh, These are not billionaires who built businesses. These are people who inherited businesses from their fathers and their family. Okay. Okay? Uh, You know, it's typically referred to as the LSC, but I won't get into what that means. You probably know what I'm saying. Now, Woody Johnson, let's take him for a minute. He's owned the Jets for a quarter of a century.
4: Mm -hmm. If he
0: doesn't know football after 25 years owning the New York Jets, that's a problem. Now, what we've seen from Woody Johnson in his history is, and as you say, um, he, he makes the wrong hirings. Well, as the owner, that's a big problem. If you continue to make the wrong hirings, You're going to have a poor football team. How many coordinators look at the list over the past quarter century that this guy has hired to run this football team? And each one of them ends up to be a joke. He had a small exception with Rex Ryan. Fine. No problem. But for the most part, he gets an F as an owner. Now, Salah, let's let's take Salah, then let's move to Douglas if we can. Salah. I believe it's something like eight and 30 as an NFL head coach. We All are not going I'm to concerned.
2: have an argument about whether or not Sal is a good head coach. I would agree with you on that. Okay. Okay. But
0: let me ask you this. Let me ask you this as the owner, when you're watching this and you see a cycle of head coaches available, unlike anything I think I've seen in my lifetime with, Belichick with, and I'm, I'm not saying Belichick would have come back to the Jets after he signed a, a paper napkin that said he resigned as H.C. of the NYJ. But I'm just saying, you had a cycle where we saw names of head coaches available that we've never seen before. You could have brought Pete Carroll back. I mean, you would know what all the names are. And Woody Johnson, as the owner, basically said, after watching the ineptitude of this coach, oh, we're good. We're good. We'll run this back. Okay, that's on Woody Johnson. Okay? That's on him. Now, Joe Douglas, he watched draft Zach Wilson number two overall. Mm-hmm. He saw what Zach Wilson was all about sitting there as the owner. He saw Douglas, and whether Salah had to do with this or just was told, we don't know. But he saw him double and triple down on a guy who was continually benched, whose teammates didn't want to play for him, whose, whose teammates wanted to play for Mike Effin White and revolted. And they refused. With their arrogance and their hubris to admit their mistake, like, you know, you have that's part of the deal. When you are going to be running a team like this, you'll hit on some, you won't hit on some. you got to admit your mistake and move on. Look what the Niners did with Trey Lance. Look what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. You can go on and on and on. Everyone knew this was not the guy. Now, you sign Aaron Rodgers, great. He's 39 years old. You
2: have to have a plan B. We, we so it's Jeff but I'm, I'm up against it here Jeff but what you're saying and thanks for the phone call and you made some good points what you're saying here is you want Woody Johnson to be more involved you want Woody Johnson to be more involved you want him to have a, a bigger finger in the decisions that are are made by his coach and his his GM I, I don't think that that's uh that's the right approach and you're right Sala, we're not going to disagree. I, think, I don't think that Sala is a good head coach. Uh, and clearly, Gase was not a, a good head coach. But he, it wasn't him running the team when that hire was made. But I think Bowles, it's turned out, is, 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 a, is a decent head coach. And Rex Ryan was a, was a good head coach for the Jets. Again, it gets back to hiring the right people. Have they hired the right people here? No. But to me, and that's not to say that Woody Johnson isn't to blame for those. But I think that the position that the Jets find themselves in, it's much more of the blame of the people that he hired. Joe Douglas was seen as he was going to be a really good GM when he got the Jet job. And and Woody got him by giving him a six-year cut, by putting his money where his mouth was. And same thing with Sala. Now, it's not turned out right. And running it back seems like a mistake. But they were kind of hamstrung because of the situation they found themselves in because of the drafting of, of, of Zach Wilson, which was a mistake by the GM, and, and running down the list of, of, of decisions that fell off of that, including bringing in Aaron Rodgers. And when he goes down four plays into the season, the season's lost based on the decisions of the, G, of the GM and, again, the head coach.